lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, filling out mock drafts leading up to the actual draft in April, filling out March Madness brackets that are going to be dumpster fires within the first weekend of the tournament here. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a wash party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans, after all, it's only pressure, you got this, Adidas. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Jesse Cofield holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston. We got a great show for you guys. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out here live Monday through Friday on DraftKingsNetwork.com, the DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung TV Plus, Roku, and more. Plenty of stuff to get to. People are angry that they're going to have to watch (laughs) the NFL playoffs on Peacock. There is so much NFL action overall to get through as we have hiring or firings starting to take place in the NFL. One coach holding on for dear life. And dad, oh, by the way, college football is going to play its national title today as Washington and Michigan get set to. And this is always the way I view this game, dad, based on being someone who back in 2012, for anyone unfamiliar, lost in very dramatic fashion a uh, championship game to Alabama and then the old BCS. Someone's getting ready to get covered in loser confetti tonight. And uh, I guess someone will lift the trophy too. But, but I guess, you know, Mike, as, as what went on with, with you guys losing that game in the fashion that you did, the people that started to spout, I'd, I'd rather not be there than go there and lose by that much. Our, our people I never want to be on a team with. That's what I'll say right now. Because the last I checked, you cannot win a championship if you're not in the championship game. So I can't stand that narrative. If you go there and get your ass kicked like you guys did, so be it. And if it happens tonight, so be it. But you're there. You made it to the game. You deserve to make it to the game. One of the biggest differences, and you can obviously – talk more about this than I can. I never experienced it. You had one game and you had a 44-day layoff. 
Yeah. And I know every coach treats it differently. A lot of coaches will ask another coach, how did you handle it? So you do have the longer layoff to the semifinal game, but then you have like a normal week work to get ready for the next game. So there is that difference there. But to have, like you guys, end of the season at USC, and there were 44 days, I believe it was, from that day. And it's 44 days for both teams. So, I mean, it's not like sure. anybody has an advantage, though Alabama was used to having the 44 days off before they played well, in the title game. But it certainly made a difference. No, that was something I thought a lot about because now when we went through that process, basically for us, how it worked then in the game week like you said, we had all that time. We didn't play, obviously, in a conference championship game, so we had even longer. But, right. we, you know, we're waiting to see what happened with Alabama in the SEC championship game and the opponent. But for us, we had the whole game plan in by the time we got to South Beach to start practice. So we had put that all in for all intents and purposes. It done, you know, going through first and second down, third down, red zone, all that stuff in that order in the week prior. And so going out, it was more of a dress rehearsal than again, all game week. And I do wonder now for all of these teams, how you do deal with that in the four team playoff era, where you've got that massive amount of lead up to play the teams in your semifinal game. And then one week to turn it around. I'd imagine there's a group of people inside these buildings with these monster staffs that are in charge of advanced scouting and in charge of putting together game plans and ideas for either outcome coming from the other side of the bracket there so that the coaching staff and the rest of the players can focus on the matchup at hand. You know, and then then there's the other side of it that anybody for you guys going back to 2013 game who was nicked up had 44 days to kind of heal up. You know, here yeah. it's a different story. You have a semifinal game. You have cornerback Jabbar Muhammad, tight end Devin Culp, linebacker Nick Kalepo, and you have the running back Dylan Johnson all got nicked up in the semifinal game. And while, you know, you'll look to play in this game, like Dylan Johnson's already said, I won't be 100%, but I'll be ready yeah. to go. The the NFL, you know, equal version of that is the Miami Dolphins <laughs> who limped into the game last night and will be limping into Kansas City next week as at some point you just don't have enough time to fully recover. Yeah, that's my biggest worry as it starts to mount up because you're right. That was what at that point Alabama did almost as well or better than anyone was they used that time and that gap between the end of the season, the conference championship and the BCS to get healthy, to get back from the meat grinder that is the SEC schedule. And now for both these teams, Dad, to that point, Alabama, Clemson, the other teams that have made national titles, Ohio State in this era, they do know how to navigate this time period for Michigan and for Washington. I'm sure they leaned on coaches that maybe were either had connections to the other staffs right. or reached out to other staffs to ask about it, but it's new for them too, all navigating that. And so all of these schedule irregularities, like God, I remember the last night before our game, we were the home team technically is the one seed. So we had the choice of where we stayed and where we practiced. We didn't stay in South beach, Miami or uh, Alabama stayed at LaFont yeah. and blue. Like my club live in the hotel there. I remember early in the week, there were stories about their guys, maybe going out a little bit too hard. We chose to stay up in Hollywood, Florida. So we were a little bit of a hike, but on the last night before the game, we were in the team hotel. You had family and everyone there. We moved hotels the night before the game. So it would just be us. And we would be like isolated in one spot. Obviously you can look back and laugh because everything we did clearly was for naught. And you know, you can assign whatever level of correlation to causation you want to that. But I just remember we did, we shipped all of our stuff that last night to a different hotel. Yeah. We went through our normal protocol there and then we went out and began the process of the game, which, you know, the lead up and 
everything up till kickoff was some of the craziest stuff I've ever been a part of. It's the most prepared I ever felt for a football game in my entire life because of that 40 day layoff. And then we kicked the ball off and nothing was the same after that. But uh, it is, it's bizarre in the lead up starting to realize and get the feeling. And I'll never forget this of knowing you're the only show in town. Like everything else is done. The rest of the sport is packed up and over. Yeah. Everyone else is on to their off season. And you just between the coverage of it, the faces you start to see at media days and around your building and around the hotel, you at one point kind of look up because you're dialed in so much to your normal game prep and trying to keep everything routine. That's your coach's charge. How much can we keep every part of this process similar to what we were just doing in South Bend? And then at some point you look up and your worldview ridings and you realize Marty Smith's not here in a normal game week for you you know yeah. at that point Sam Ponder was there in a normal game week for you the college game day folks aren't normally the ones sniffing around and the rest of the attention seeps in and you have that moment where you're like oh it's just us and them at this point and that's the end of college football for this year yeah the finality can be good and bad because the finality can mean you have the winner's confetti dropping on you but you also know it's your last game. Like they said for, and I'm sure for both teams, it got emotional where it's the last time you're going to be on the field in the locker room in pregame with a lot of those teammates and it's it. So you're the last game, you're the show, but you're also the last game and this is it. Now, some players obviously will come back, but the team won't be the same. So it, it is, there is that kind of, when you have time to think about it, unfortunately, in your game, you had three and a half quarters to think about the fact that yeah. it was that it was over. And also, also, you guys tried to do everything right. Alabama showed up with live armbands on their arms still from the night before and went out and kicked your guys' asses. <laughs> I guess hey, I guess having I guess having Eddie Lacy and Chance Warmack and a bunch of those dudes out there. When we saw Chance Warmack's belly in the warm-up, we probably shouldn't have known something wasn't gonna go sweet. It, it, what, what you brought that up, it, I mean it is the truth now it didn't I didn't feel that in the lead up and with that season because things had gone so well and we had so much hope and we were riding the high I even remember like senior day in South Bend which was an emotional day for me the year prior I got to do two of them I was like like laughing and smiling. I'm like, we're having a great time. We got a national championship run ahead of us now. But uh, yeah, somewhere about the third quarter, I do remember kind of realizing, okay, this is the end of my college career, all these things. And I felt myself getting emotional. And in that moment, yeah. I really was like, do not let the cameras see you cry. Right. You're not about to be sports center B roll. So all those complex emotions that you're trying to process while then getting ready to go back out and see if you can move Quentin dial. I'm wondering, did you guys, and, and and forgive me, I, I forgot which team they said, it might have been Michigan, that watched a movie last night. They watched The Accountant, which was Ben Affleck, the math savant, who also kills people incredibly well. So that was their movie. Did you guys watch a movie the night before? No, we did not have like a team. We didn't do like the Ted Lasso and have the boys all watch Iron Giant yeah. the night before. But uh, yeah. again, maybe in <laughs> hindsight, we can go back and uh, look at that stuff. We used to always get a movie the night before that you were allowed to rent in the hotel. But I don't recall uh, renting one that night. I think I might have been a touch nervous for the yeah, game coming I, up. The I next would say day, probably. So. <laughs> Maybe that's a good sign that Michigan's getting ready to go. We'll have a lot more on Michigan and Washington from the X's and O's standpoint there, but uh, it, it's cool. This is one of my favorite games every year because, you know, I, I in this spot and kind of understand what's going through the brains of all these guys. And both of these teams are new entrants into this. They don't have the distinction of going up against, you know, an Alabama team that had won it the year before, like we did. And so it's, it's new for all sides there, but uh, it, it is something that you know. Now you're you're in the club, and and you're gonna find out which side right. of that club you wind up on 
in a few hours once we get to that game tonight. But, uh, Dad, speaking of games, let's get to the one you were at last night. We had wow. so many playoff games with playoff implications going on yesterday. As we mentioned, Saturday and Sunday, there were only three games in the NFL that had no playoff implications whatsoever. But by the time we got to your game, we knew the Buffalo Bills were going to be in. After Jacksonville lost, Buffalo's ticket was secured in the postseason. But we still got a hell of a game that ends with the Buffalo Bills getting the win, winning the division, and now nestling in as the two seed in the AFC. And Dad, Josh Allen may be playing the peak Josh Allen game last night. Yeah, I, w without question. And when you say peak Josh Allen, I know you mean good and bad because there was good and bad. Yes. Listen, uh, Buffalo outplayed Miami in this game and barely had the lead in this game because they would drive. They ended up with over 400 yards. Josh Allen threw for 359. They were moving the ball, which I'm sure Buffalo Bill fans were just watching and saying, yeah, yeah, great, until we get it down close. And then we screw it up. Josh Allen, two interceptions in the end zone. He got stripped on a, on, a, on a pass, a sack fumble. Christian Wilkins not only got the fumble, recovered it as well. So Josh Allen had three turnovers, two, like I said, in the end zone. And I thought another one was going to be picked off in the end zone as well. Uh, but Trent Shurfield on a, on a tip ball caught it in the back of the end zone, getting two feet down, which was incredible because, as you know, you get a tip ball. A lot of times it's picked off. That would have been three picks in the end zone. But again, as I said, Shurfield made a great catch for the touchdown, but this was peak Josh. I mean, when he runs, dude puts his shoulder down and, and can do it and could get on a third. I think it was in 13. He makes a first down, but then on a fourth and a half a yard, Mike, I don't understand it. He's 240 pounds. Why are you jumping? Don't jump. I mean, do not it jump. the last you time. It did work the last time, but but that that has way less of a chance of working than just driving with your big ass body than jumping because you can't jump and reach the ball like you would at the goal line because once the ball passes the goal line, the play's over. That's not it in the middle of the field. So he has the ball, you know, pinned to his chest trying to jump. So now his chest has to get over the first down line. So I. I you're right. So I'm watching this too and seeing the, the great of Josh Allen. And sometimes you shake your head with what happens as well. But man, you live and die with this guy. And and they actually have been playing well since week 10, Mike, but it's been running the ball. It's been James yeah. Cook averaging 114 scrimmage yards. It's been Josh Allen running very well. He came into this game, obviously, second in the NFL behind you know, uh, Miami's running back who was out in, in Mozart, who was, was out for this game. So, I mean, yeah, Buffalo was a better team. They win that game. They get the two C they get to host Pittsburgh now. So it was all laid out, even though we, we knew they were in these teams wanted obviously home field because they were way better on, on at home than they were on the road. And for Miami, I mean, man, it's a mash unit, Mike, as we'll get into plus in a key drive, again, Tyreek Hill led the world in everything by the end of this game, had two key drops on a drive, one up high and one down low that he normally catches. And right before that last interception, he ran a route and he limped off the field. It was one of those where he just limped for a minute and you figure he was going to come back the next play. But Chase Claypool went in the game form, ran an out route that was covered by two bills. Tua throws it out there, and it looked like Taylor Rapp, the DB, was running the route and gets a pick. 
And that would have been Tyreek Hill. Now, I don't know if it would have made a difference. I have no idea. But you'd rather have Tyreek Hill with the ball coming to him at the end of the game than anybody else. And unfortunately, he was standing on the sideline. And they get a couple of more guys nicked up in this game, as well as not having, you know, as I said, Mozart playing in that game and Xavier Howard playing in that game and Waddle playing in that game. More guys nicked up. So while they may play next week in Kansas City, they're not going to be 100%. So it, it is a mass unit for Miami. Yeah, you've got to be extremely worried. You mentioned those names. They lost linebackers Cameron Good and Andrew Van Ginkle oh, yeah. during that game. So at yeah. one point, they were down to two healthy edge guys. And one of the like images seared into my brain in this game, I forget who ended up making the catch for Buffalo, but you had Melvin Ingram who had to move outside and was in space yeah. covering one of the receivers for the Buffalo Bills. And that was sort of the image that crystallized this team is just too broken to party, especially yeah. defensively. We knew coming into the game, Dad, I was still surprised at times how inept the Miami Dolphins offense looked. And we saw they were able to do the things they did in their first matchup a bit where when you knock Tua off of his spot, he becomes a little bit less effective. We saw some of the mistakes seep in. The Buffalo Bills clearly saw, hey, about the only thing Miami's comfortable with right now are seam balls to Tyreek Hill. And so yep. they clamp down on those for a vast majority of their game. Obviously, they're going to hit some because Tyreek Hill is incredibly gifted. But, Dad, I'm wondering seeing it in person does this game make you worry about Tua at all and if we're starting to see a ceiling with him and what he can do to elevate this offense or is it in your mind too many broken pieces around him I think it's too many broken pieces Mike he throws such an accurate ball I mean he throws really a nice ball and but again who's he have to throw to is Tyreek Hill right Waddle's out of that game Tyreek has seven catches next close to him is is the the dome or Durham Smythe with three as the tight end. As I said in the pregame, who who steps up? Who's the next wide receiver? Who's the next weapon? You don't have Mozart again. But I felt pretty good at running back with A-Chan and with Wilson coming in. They kept running that quick toss sweep that was working incredibly well through a lot of the game until Buffalo finally started figuring it out uh, yeah. and stopping it. I just don't think they had the weapons. Mike, I do like the way Tua throws the ball. He led the NFL in just a tick under 70% completion. And you know he he airs it out because you have Tyreek Hill. They, le they led the league in 10-plus yard plays, 20, uh, second and 25-plus plays, first and 50-yard-plus plays because of Tyreek Hill and Waddle. So I do like Tua. I just think they're too broken uh, around them. You look at Buffalo. Buffalo started every offensive lineman for every single game. How rare is that? Miami yeah. had was on their 11th different offensive line combination, but they were actually run blocking pretty well in this game. Uh, but then Buffalo started to, to take control. Buffalo, as I said, was the better team. They were their own worst enemy with interceptions in the red zone and losing fumbles until Deontay Hardy runs a 96-yard punt return back to tie this game up and just spark Buffalo. They they needed something, and that was it. And that's a shame. That's when Cameron Good, the linebacker, man, I, you know, it was one of those you're trying to 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 talk, you know, analyze the play and how great it was for Buffalo. But as I saw Hardy 20 yards down the field, I knew he was gone. Mike, as a player, you know, I saw Cameron Good laying there. I mean, writhing in pain, ripped his helmet off just an agony and I was like oh my god Ryan Radke's describing the play great the touchdown and all I could do is my heart just sank for that guy but you lose that guy there but Buffalo gets the big touchdown next series Miami three and out 
Buffalo gets the yeah. ball right back. Eight yard, eight play drive, 72 yards, taken up about almost close to five minutes, I think, and go up 21 to 14. And there was that big uh-oh moment for Miami. Like, do we have enough to get back in this game? And they didn't. No, they didn't. And now they're going to quite literally limp into the postseason in a way yeah. that we've talked about the demise of the Kansas City Chiefs. And we'll certainly talk about uh, the anger of fans who are now pissed off that they're going to have oh. to watch them on <laughs> Peacock coming up. But uh, you start to look around at the rest of the AFC playoff picture and say, all right, well, you're going to have an opportunity because unfortunately, I just don't know if you can trust this Miami team with how many parts are broken down. I'm with you on Tua and they're coming up on money decisions with him. And I'd imagine he's going to be a guy that if they're going to keep him, they're going to have to keep him at yet another record setting quarterback number because that's the cost of doing business. But right now, it seems like he's provided everything you could have asked for at that spot for him. And, and I'll say this, Mike, if you're going to put a game on Peacock, put the Kansas City game on Peacock because Swifty fans don't care. They'll pay the subscription fee to watch Taylor in the booth. Jesse was saying that before the show, her and I were talking. And, and you know what? That's the NFL playing chestnut checkers, right? Let's go for that new audience. <laughs> Let me tell you, just remember what they did to Ticketmaster. All right. Just remember what they yeah. did to Ticketmaster. These people are capable of a lot of things. And so if you go too far, all of a sudden you have incited one of the most mobile and organized groups that the internet has to offer. Uh, much like Buffalo Bills fans who completely took over Ooh. the stadium down yes. there in Miami. Shoe. Yes, that did. looked like Orchard Park down there. So congratulations to the Buffalo Bills. They keep their improbable comeback to win the division and get to the postseason going. Coming up next, though, let's get to some sounds from the weekend that was in Mic'd Up Monday. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings, and comes at an incredible price. Make the game winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Let's get into Miked Up Monday, where we bring you some of the best sound coming your way from week 18. And as if there wasn't enough drama in the Saints-Falcons games, you know, we had two teams going in for a playoff berth here. We also had a wild, absolutely wild finish to this game. We had a side mission go down when the Saints players went rogue <laughs> with a play call in the final minutes of their victory against the Falcons on Sunday. So, you guys, we saw this go down. Dennis Allen... Pete Carmichael intended to kneel and run out the clock with that final 113 left. Then they put in backup quarterback Jameis Winston, okay? He sent in to take the final snap in victory formation, but that's not what happened, is it? Okay, we were all watching. The team instead ran Jamal Williams up the middle for a score. Falcons head coach Arthur Smith, we saw him freaking out freaking out after the game, yelling at Allen as they met at midfield. And here is what the mission man himself, Jameis Winston, had to say about that decision. 
Well, I apologize to DA because the play was, was victory. Uh, but I also explained to DA that it was a team decision. And uh, and I think when you have the, a team morale, and I asked the guys, I said, guys, like, what do you, what do you want to do? We know how much Jamal means to this team. And, and I understood from DA's perspective. So I, I, I give him that. Yeah, but D, DA didn't condone that at all. You know, he, he didn't. Crying, screaming, and throwing up at that answer. Um, the reason ah. Arthur Smith was probably so angry was because he knew he was in the hot seat, right? I mean, he got yeah. fired not too long after the final snap of that game. He met with Arthur Blank, Rich McKay on Sunday night, hours after the team finished their 7-10 and 10 season. The decision was reached. But, guys, what do we think of the whole ending there in New Orleans? And Jameis, I don't even know. He's a national treasure, but also what was he thinking? Jameis is the NFL's perfect chaos agent, and we are better for having him around to stir the pot. That being said, Dad, I ran through the full gamut of emotions. What one hand you feel for Arthur Smith because I, I saw someone put it, we saw his worst professional day. Like we saw everything go wrong for him on what he probably right. knew was going to be his last day in the chair, and that's pretty tough. In general, when I first saw this reaction before seeing the play, my general thought is always to laugh at people that get too high and mighty about the end of game politics, when you score and how you score and what you do and going about things. And then I saw the play and you know this, I am someone that wars against defensive linemen who fire yep. off on the victory meal. I think the game is over at that point. That's everyone involved saying we're going to get out of here in one piece and we're going to do this. And so I cannot in good conscience support what not. went on here because seeing it happen out of victory formation, that was the part I took umbrage with dad. If you're telling me you love Jamal Williams so much, you wanted to line up ride one uh, run ride 34, try and get him a touchdown on a normal down and distance play where the defense knows what's going on. The offense is showing them what time it is. That's fine. And I heard that in the victory kneel, a lot of times D lineman, O lineman, they'll talk like, hey, you guys going to kneel it. And apparently people were saying some of the uh, the Falcons D lineman had asked them, hey, are you guys going to kneel it and didn't get an answer. So they were kind of clued in. But dad, in general, I think I'm out on this as far as execution goes. I appreciate the sentiment of those guys wanting to get their guy in the end zone. We can talk about what it means for the way the team feels about Dennis Allen. But I am out on running out of victory formation to get the touchdown on the last play all right you better I was you would better say and you better not say I think I'm out you better say I am 100 no, percent because I'm you out. ripped me I told you oh, good well you said I think I'm out on I want you to be 100 percent out on this because you destroy me as a former D lineman if D lineman go hard on this play even if you're trying to create a fumble you know one last last ditch effort you're out on the defense doing that so you better be out on this I know and I know you are I I think it was horrible to do I I get the sentiment I mean this is Vince Vaughn and Rudy we got to score you know if Rudy's <laughs> gonna get on the field we got to score uh, so yeah. this was you know they, they wanted to get Jamal Williams who who led the NFL in touchdowns a year before right didn't have one touchdown this year and they wanted to get him that one touchdown down. I'm with you. Line up like a regular play. You line up like a regular play and run it in. I have no problem. Then the defense None. knows what's up and now it's you don't want him to score. Stop him. But you're in a formation that clearly states we are doing nothing and you did something. So that was a bogus move without question by them. But that said, I love the team unity. I love that they kind of voted as an offense out there to do that. 
what this means as far as defying your head coach, who had to sit there, Mike. You yep. ran out to that middle of that field, as as Dennis Allen did, and you see Arthur uh, Smith coming at you hot, and you're and, and Dennis Allen knows in his head, I gotta take it. I, yeah, I gotta take gotta anything this. he says to me. I have to eat it and swallow it. There is nothing I can say about this. And man, Arthur Smith absolutely wore him up and down, you know, effing him everywhere about it. And Alan's just like, I know, I know. Sorry, I know. I didn't you know what he said? This. <laughs> oh, he had to take it all. So again. Does it mean that the players don't respect Dennis Allen because they didn't do it? I mean, people are going to delve into that. I'm not delving as much into the emotion of the moment was players wanted this guy to score. A lot of guys, you know, as a player, you don't think much past that, you know, maybe the ramifications of it. And you just do it to get the joy out of that one moment there and not think of what's going to happen uh, after that game. But uh, yeah. all, all you, you, you can't do that. It was a bogus play. Yeah, I, I'd agree, and I'll be definitive for you. Yes, I am absolutely out on running out of victory formation in order to gain any sort of advantage at the end of the game. To me, that's foul, that's out of bounds, and that crosses the line that I have always drawn in the sand for my defensive brother, so I'll hold and keep that same energy for the offense. Dad, it is interesting because I think you're right. I think this is about players not understanding the perspective of the coach. Yeah. Because while they talked about being good teammates to Jamal, Jamal Williams, and they said everyone did that because we love Jamal. Jamal said getting a touchdown didn't matter to me as much as it meant that my teammates wanted it for me, that those guys cared enough where this even crossed their mind. But they also threw Dennis Allen into a really tough spot because they don't get yes. that in the coaching world. That's how they send messages. Like I heard and saw a lot of coaches talking about this and dad, uh, you know, we never coached. And so I don't know that feeling of, Hey, when you work all week and then you've got to send other people out there as your representatives. I remember I used to have coaches that would get fired up about what we put on tape because that's the direct reflection of them. That's how their peers judge them. That's right. how future employers judge them. And so these instances are the ways that they communicate to the other coaches any number of things and players, you're right. We don't really get or think about that. We're just like, no. all right, let's get our boy into the end zone and let's go along with it. But in being good teammates to Jamal Williams, they were bad teammates, quote unquote, to Dennis Allen in that moment, because like you always point out, they made problems for him. They wrote a check that he had to yeah. cash. Now we can yeah. also debate, should he have said anything publicly about that? Or should that have just stayed in the locker room? And is it your job as the head coach to go out there and just eat that publicly and handle that privately? Yeah, that is because normally you always, as we say, pull the thumb, don't point the finger. Um, but that that would have been that would have been an interesting one, had because it would have eventually got out, right? He would have he would have if he'd have taken responsibility for it. No doubt the players would have still in the locker room said that was on us. They would have listened to their head coach take the bullet for that one and say, no, 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 no. That's not what happened. He might have been better off doing that, you know, and just trying to take it, but. Well, I don't think he expected to be. I wonder how quickly, how quickly when he saw that running play, Dennis Allen went, oh, God, I have to talk about this. You know, yep. and, and then he was in a no-win situation because the players defied him. Is that too strong of a word? You know, they, they didn't listen to him, but it was more because they wanted Jamal Williams to score. So it was for their teammate. They didn't think about the aftermath. But also, as other coaches or other people think, as they say, Dennis, do you not have control of your team? 
you know, do, do, are, do you not oversee this team? Do they not listen to you? They're making their own decisions without you. So it definitely put him in a very, very tough position. Well, I mean, listen, as in the dark night, in the Saints' desperation, they turned to a man they didn't fully understand in Jameis Winston. And some people, some people ah. just want to watch the world burn. So I am going to bang the gavel and say because it is the Jameis Winston effect involved in this, this is a nothing burger of an issue. I will not read into it as an indictment of Dennis Allen. I will not hold it against him in the inner coach politics. We are adjourning court and letting him go because coming up next, we got to get to all the other coaching moves that are starting to fly around the NFL. It's the most wonderful time of the year. March Madness getting ready to go in college basketball. And we got some of the best stars in the sport finally trying to close the deal. Zach Eady at Purdue trying to see if he can cap off an historic career with a championship. Much like his counterpart on the women's side and Caitlin Clark, who's been one of the biggest names in sports this entire year. And is looking to see if she can snag that elusive championship that's eluded her during her career. Regardless of who makes it to that final game of the tourney, though, one thing's for certain. It's going to take the most talented people like the two I just mentioned working together to help these teams play at a high level. If you're hiring, you want the most talented people on your team to help your business go to the next level. How do you find them? ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter uses matching technology to score excellent candidates for your job. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And once you review your list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply, so they're more likely to apply sooner. Pick ZipRecruiter to help you build a winning team. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Joe and Golik, it's time to talk about coaches who are in the hot seat. And there's plenty to get to here, but let's talk about Bill Belichick. Reportedly scheduled to meet with owner Robert Kraft, team president Jonathan Kraft today, following Sunday's disastrous loss to the Jets, which ended the team season 4-13. and 13. It's the worst season in Bill Belichick's 29 years as head coach. Now, Belichick spoke to the media this morning and surprisingly said he would be more open to taking a step back if he were to stick around in New England. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm for whatever, um, you know, collectively we decide as an organization is the best thing to help our football team. And, you know, I have multiple roles in that and I rely on a lot of people to help me in those uh in those responsibilities, if somebody's got to have the final say, uh, I have it. I, I rely on a lot of other people to help, and you know, however that um, yeah, whatever that process is, you know, I'm I'm only part of it. Guys, this is pretty interesting. Um, he's essentially admitting that he'd be willing to like relinquish some responsibility when it comes to the personnel of the team, which is a departure from his staunch, you know, Belichick way. So what do we think about these comments from Bill B? 
Yeah, this dad sounds like the end of a relationship when someone wants to try and hold on, feels it's slipping away and starts to make promises that weren't there all along. Like I would continue to look at the actions and still say that this seems like a duo that is due for some separation in Bill Belichick and the Patriots. I think everyone would be better served by moving on at this juncture, but I can understand and appreciate Bill Belichick, at least in these waning moments, coming out and sort of admitting what we all saw, which is that Bill Belichick, the GM has not been up to the standard the last few years. Yeah. I also think, listen, one thing, Bill Belichick is, is a hall of fame coach. He's going to go down as one of the greatest coaches ever. I think he need 15 wins uh, overall regular season and playoffs to pass Don Shula. And I think that's something he wants. So, but I also think he's smart enough to know Mike that he is not going to be running the show anywhere else outside of being a head coach. If he were to leave New England and go somewhere else, he's not going to be the GM. He's not going to be running. He'll have input, you know, in it, like a player personnel and GM, but he's not going to be that what he was in New England. He's smart enough to recognize. Did you think that going into this offseason, given the teams that we had involved? Because I looked at a lot of the teams, Dad. We're now up to the Panthers, Chargers, Falcons, Raiders, and as of this morning, the Washington Commanders were leaving Ron Rivera of his duties. None of those organizations, in my mind, seemed like they were in a position if it came down to it, and they miss on the Ben Johnsons of the world and some of these hot coordinators to tell Bill Belichick no when it comes to that I mean if he went over and took the Carolina Panthers job can David Tepper tell Bill Belichick he doesn't get to pick the pieces given the position that franchise is in I don't know so I didn't take that necessarily as and like I thought originally he might have a shot to leverage some of the weakness of the franchises against them and get that power if he wanted it I don't think so. And in Carolina, the GM job is open. Tepper uh, fired Scott Fitterer, the, the GM there. But no, Mike, I don't think so. I think those days are gone. And I think Bill Belichick recognizes that. And even though those are teams desperate for a coach, you have to you have to look at Bill Belichick's track record the last few years, and it hasn't gone well from a personnel side. And it's not like those other owners can't see that as well. While it is Bill Belichick, I get it. I just think this is this is something that went on that doesn't go on anymore. You can't you know shop for the groceries and cook the dinner anymore, as Bill Par- I think it was Bill Parcells you know once famously said. So I just don't think it's feasible anymore. So I, I think he recognizes that and will relinquish some of that power. And, I, and so he probably thinks, why not just stay here and do that instead of going somewhere else and not having all the power? He's familiar here. And we'll see. That That's just my thought. I, I Again, we're trying to dive into a man's head who gives us, you know, sure. one-line answers. But that, that's what I think. I think that is a practice that is is outdated with all that goes on now with professional teams. And we're here, we're talking about the NFL. And I, I just don't think that's going to continue. We're here, you're the head coach, and you're basically the GM, even though we have a GM in place, but you're really running the show. Well, I also look at this, though, and think, Dad, this could be an effort even in the dismount to just make him a more appealing candidate. Like, obviously, mm. anyone that's interested in Bill, they're going to talk to him. They already know his yeah, act, yeah. like you said. None of what happened down the home stretch here should obscure the picture. Bill Belichick is, in my mind, the greatest NFL head coach of all time. What he accomplished over this run is unlike anything we have ever seen, and I think ever will see again, especially when you factor in that this was done in the era of free agency that makes everything that went on infinitely harder than so much of the past from a team-building standpoint. But now if you're another team that was thinking about and starting to weigh this – 
and you hear willing to relinquish that portion of things. Now, all of a sudden, in my mind, that makes things a little bit more appealing, especially if you believe like a team like the Chargers that you've already got so many of the core pieces, especially a quarterback that you'd need to succeed. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, it's going to be – it, that's a good thought, too, that that he, you know, is doing that to say, hey, because most of the time, I think people feel like when you talk to Bill Belichick, he's talking to you and you're kind of asking him and he's telling you, right? Where now yeah. it looks like he's willing to have a conversation back and forth. And what you just said is true, and there are going to be those out there that say, no, that's not true because look what happened when Brady left. And again, I keep going to look at the first few titles that they won. That was a defensive-led team. It wasn't an offensive-led and Tom Brady-led team. It was a defensive strong team that was winning Super Bowl. So he deserves every accolade he gets. And, I, and I'll continue to say, as I always have, I always put a little more on the players when we're dividing up coach and player because the players are on the one actually executing the plays. But he will get his due, I think at some point, be the winningest coach of all time. As I said, a Hall of Fame coach and we'll go down as one of the greatest if not the greatest coach of all time but it does seem like now he is willing you're right to the kind of like the 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 decision makers for the others teams like the owners hey he's willing to work with us a little bit you know we we may get a little back and forth with him instead of just back and no forth it's I mean, it's it's the end of Rocky Four. If I can change and you can yeah, change, yeah. we can all change. <laughs> I unfortunately think that's still going to end in change in New England. And so that'll join yeah. the chorus of other coaches out. Like we mentioned, Dad, Ron Rivera and the brass in Washington let go. We got the interesting report this morning, the combo platter from Adam Schefter and Adrian Wojnarowski that apparently the Washington commanders and their ownership group led by Josh Harris, who obviously has NBA ties, are bringing in Bob Myers, former Warriors GM, along with former Vikings GM Rick Spielman, to assist in the search for the new group here. So it sounds like it's more of a consulting role. And certainly, again, these are guys that probably have familiarity from the NBA. But, Dad, for Washington, a big-time hire coming up. And for Ron Rivera, an end to a tenure that was going downhill, we all knew. I was amazed by this stat, though, Dad. In 13 years as a head coach with the Washington Commanders and the Carolina Panthers, Ron Rivera has three winning seasons including the 15 and one Super Bowl appearance year with Cam Newton when he was the MVP. Like, Dad, were it not for Cam Newton, we probably talk about Ron Rivera more like Jeff Fisher or worse based on his head coaching tenure because there really was not much to write home about that Cam Newton didn't create there. Yeah, uh, listen, I agree. And, 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 and this doesn't surprise me at all. New ownership, you kind of got the stench of Daniel Snyder out of there. It's kind of like it's kind of like a fresh reboot for Washington now. Right. Uh, with, with what they're doing from ownership, getting that out to now head coach and kind of just cleaning house here. And it's also a team as we look at team at uh, teams that are looking for head coach and always new head co- coaches coming in. What's the quarterback situation? Let's be honest. They're looking for a new quarterback as well. They need a yeah. complete do over in this situation. And I, I'm sure a lot of people are going to say, well, Eric Bieniemy went there. He actually got to call plays. Unlike in Kansas city, will he get a good chance there? Well, this was a, this was a, an offense that overall finished, I think around uh, 23rd, right in that area there. So now again, you have to look at obviously some of the talent that was on the offensive side. It wasn't up there with some of the others, but this again, will start over the, is Eric Bieniemy, you know, head coaching material, uh, or is it going to be we just want an absolute clean slate here? 
everybody's gone. We're kind of starting over again. And then quickly on an aside, Mike, we know what a Woj bomb is when it's big news. What is it when Woj and Schefter put one together? What the hell kind of bomb is that? A Wefter? I think that's the only thing because coming up the other way starts to get too convoluted. There's too many consonants when you do it the other way. So I guess this is a wefty bomb uh, with the lob off the backboard, LeBron, Dwayne Wade to LeBron style. So now that we've sorted through wefters or shoge bombs, I don't know what we're going to do with it as uh, Adam Schefter has lobbed the ball off the backboard to Woj, uh, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade style on the news about uh, Josh Harris and the company hiring Bob Myers as a consultant. Dad, we still got to kind of sort through the rest of the jobs in the NFL. Yep. And it's interesting trying to take stock now as we get to the time of year where these decisions are going to get made. We knew the Panthers, Chargers, Raiders uh, had already entered their names into this. The Falcons obviously made it official late last night, firing Arthur Smith. Uh, the Washington Commanders have parted ways with Ron Rivera this morning, and we'd expect the Patriots to fall. And then after that, you and I both agreed this is probably the end of it. Any notions of firing Mike Vrabel in Tennessee would have been the dumbest thing that that yeah. franchise could have done at this juncture where they're getting ready to kind of turn over a lot of the faces of the franchise. I saw Derrick Henry, very sentimental yeah. moment, addressing the crowd after what could be his final game in a Titans uniform. Went out in style, too. Angry Mike Vrabel and a team looking to make a point on what could be the final iteration for Tannehill, Derrick Henry. Very cool moment for them, but that would have been idiotic. And at this point, Dad, I yeah. think Matt Eberflus probably yeah. safe in Chicago as well, despite the loss yesterday. He was probably the one we were all looking at to see were they going to get rid of both he and Ryan Poles, the GM, or then maybe just the coach and keep Poles, or because everyone just wondering what they're going to do. They have the first pick in the draft, uh, thanks to, the, to Carolina. Uh, but you're right about, how about, Derrick Henry and Taquan Barkley both went off pretty well yesterday thinking, you know, let me try and get better contracts, you know, than, than these yeah. franchise tags that we're doing. So, yeah, I think we're done, though. It is amazing, Mike, after the Cowboys win the NFC oh, East, right? And this is the game I'm doing next week. I'm, I'm doing, I'll go to Dallas, do Green Bay at Dallas. Asked specifically about McCarthy's future after Sunday's win over the Commanders, Owner Jerry Jones said, we'll see how each game goes in the playoffs. I mean, dude is just constantly on the seat. It is unbelievable. That was his quote after the game. So, I mean, I guess you have to say if maybe they lose in the first round or don't get to the NFC championship, does he make a change? Because I saw this personally with my brother Bob when he played in Cleveland and Marty Schottenheimer, God rest his soul, was the coach, got to a couple of ASC championship games, but never got into the Super Bowl. So, you know, he ended up getting fired. So I was amazed. I saw that when I was driving home uh, last night from the game uh, here in, in, in Miami. And I was just like, wow, classic Jerry Jones. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the only other one is going to be New England. Then, as we said, you start to look at the quarterback position. And let's be honest, if it is New England, let's say New England, Las Vegas, Carolina, Atlanta, Washington, and the Chargers. There are only two teams, two teams that have their quarterback, right? That's Herbert with the Chargers, and that's Bryce Young with Carolina. He only had the one year. He ain't going anywhere. 
All those other teams, yep. they're going to have new starting quarterbacks, whether it's by the draft or whether it's bringing in a free agent, they are going to start anew. So that will weigh heavily into coaches who have an option, coaches who have a choice. And we know the hot, you know, there's obviously the retread former head coaches, and then there's the hot coordinators like a Ben Johnson everybody keeps talking about. If you have a choice of what you're looking as your pros and cons of where you want to go. Yeah, I say because the Chicago Bears job doesn't look like it's going to come open, the Chargers are going to be the number one job. The Panthers just have yep. too many holes to fill, even if some of the Chargers money problems are going to be things you have to account for as the new head guy. And it is interesting, Dad, for the Panthers, because you're right in that mostly because the Panthers don't have their first round pick that belongs to the right. Chicago bears. Because if not, I would wonder if we'd be in for an Arizona Cardinals situ situation where back in the day, they hired Cliff Kingsbury a year after drafting Josh Rosen, number one over with their first round pick, and then followed it up by letting Cliff Kingsbury draft Kyler Murray in the first round and moving on because they had the opportunity to do so. I just don't think the opportunities here or else, especially given David Tepper's track record, I wouldn't have been yeah. surprised there because it was abysmal for Bryce Young. Like yep. what you're coming into is a full reclamation project akin to what really Sean Payton was tasked with doing with the Denver Broncos, albeit with a player that had accomplished much more in his career, but it was where the directive was clear. You're here to revive this one player in the Denver Broncos case. We saw they decided, all right, you showed us enough. We don't want that guy around, and we moved on. You wonder how this is going to go for the Carolina Panthers, who have a boss that appears temperamental and a quarterback that appears broken after this season. Not exactly a ringing endorsement and screams. You're going to have to overpay yeah. somebody. Yeah, you you are. I, I really think that's going to be who falls to that position, right? Because that's going to yeah. be nobody's first choice unless Tepper is just throwing out dumb money, which you know you're going to get. But you also know that the trigger finger is quick there. Uh, but so if you're going to go there, you damn well better make sure you're getting paid to go there because uh, of how that owner. It's just a bad situation all around. Like I said, coaches look at ownership and quarterbacks. And that's one where you still don't know about your quarterback, but you're, you're with your I don't want to say stuck with him because I, I still hope Bryce Young, you know, has a bright future, but you don't know. And you have an owner who, listen, uh, we've been saying enough about him, about what's going on. So very, very difficult. And quickly on the other side of the good, I think coach of the year is going to be Kevin Stefanski from the Browns. If not him, the team they're playing, D'Amico Ryan's from, from Houston. Yeah. And quite honestly, quite honestly, the executive of the year should be either less need of the Rams. This is a team that has no first round draft picks because they did everything to sell their soul to win the Super Bowl and it paid off. They have this young team now and they got draft picks that have hit and they're sitting there in the playoffs or Brian Gutekunst, the GM from the Green Bay Packers. They have basically the youngest team in the NFL yeah. on the offensive side of the ball. And here they are along with while the, the quarterback isn't a rookie. It's his first year starting. And here they are in the playoffs. So there's a couple of couple of GMs that have done a great job. Yeah, man, it's hard to not prorate quarterback because Jordan Love feels lumped into that, right? You're yeah, a year removed yeah. from jettisoning yet another Hall of Fame yes. quarterback from your organization, and now in year one as the full-time starter, Jordan Love has absolutely morphed into a reason why. Like, he is a driving force. He's not a passenger yeah. along for the ride. He's a driving force of why your team just made the playoffs this weekend now in the expanded format. So I think you're absolutely right. 
man, I'd probably lean less Snead just because the Rams were in such yeah, tattered shape. But it wasn't like the Green Bay Packers felt like they were in great shape coming off last year. Dad, the vibes were bad around there, uh, just like they are. I mean, you mentioned the Dallas Cowboys. I feel like we're not talking about that situation and Jerry Jones's quotes just because the vibes around the Philadelphia Eagles, their counterpart, the NFC, oh. are so god-awful right now. An embarrassing loss yesterday to the New York Giants in the final stanza of this season. You had more guys get banged up. Jalen Hurts' middle finger gets hurt. A.J. Brown goes down with an injury in a game that Devonta Smith was already missing because he was a little bit banged up on and on down the road. Dad, this Philadelphia Eagles team. I, I don't know what, I mean, I know what happened. The defense got so banged yeah, up and so yeah. bad in a hurry that it threw the complimentary football completely out of whack. But this has been a team that's so broken and looks like getting past the divisional round would be a real at this point. Yeah, and a lot of people thought, oh, being the fifth seed and going to Tampa, that's a nice position to be in, but Philly's playing awful right now. That's the last game, by the way. That's Monday. Saturday, Cleveland and Houston and Miami at Kansas City, the Peacock game, so the Swifties will all of a sudden have a bunch of Peacock subscriptions. And then Pitt, uh, Buffalo, uh, Green Bay, Dallas, and then the nightcap on Sunday is the Rams in Detroit. Those are the couple I'm looking at outside of loving doing my game. Cleveland and Houston, I'm almost bummed one of them's got to go in the first round because what they're both great stories. First-year head coach, first-year play caller in Slowick, first-year quarterback, and on defense, first-year guy in Will Anderson with seven sacks and Cleveland, four quarterbacks. And then the L.A.-Detroit swapping of quarterbacks a few years ago, coming back to Detroit, both teams with a lot of depth on the offensive side. It'll be fun all week to break down some of these games. You saw Sean McVay in the post-game press conference get asked about that because obviously they traded away Jared Goff to yes. get Matthew Stafford, and he downplayed that pretty quickly. Knowing Dan Campbell, I'd have to imagine all this week he's going to be pushing those buttons with his quarterback, letting him know and getting him hyped for this one right now. That seems like a locker room that's going to rally around a guy that I'm sure and deep down in place he doesn't talk about at parties felt slighted <laughs> about how that went down and now has a chance to show them in a big way how he feels about the entire process. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.